Now, you may not believe this, but the career path of every successful individual included having a job just like the one you have now. You're either going to or coming from work, so let's talk about it today on Your Way to Work. Hi, this is Rick Witted. I am in studio with a very good friend of mine, Heather Eismenger. Heather, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Rick? Good, good. So Heather is an author. She is a dear critique friend of mine, someone who I'm always looking for her to read anything I'm writing. I can say the same about you. Heather is also a teacher, uh, and she has a blog, pretty active blog, Petals of Joy, P-E-T-A-L-S, petalsofjoy.org, speaks about life issues, also often speaks directly to teachers in their space, kind of in their world. So, Heather, I have never had a teacher on. I'm so excited to be the first. Good, Maybe good. we'll get more. So let's jump right into it. When I think about teachers, I think about this paradigm that's out there in the workplace that we're really trying to change, right? Which is progression does not only have to mean a bigger job and a bigger paycheck. It can also be growth and development and trust and balance and meaning. All of those great things. So now you've got a teacher and bigger job and bigger paycheck usually isn't synonymous (laughs) right so what's a teacher thinking when they when you enter this paradigm and that's what you're hearing career success means looks like is for some teachers they do move into administration or they move into like county work Mm -hmm. um curriculum development things of that nature, if, if they really are thinking that paradigm of, you know, stepping stones. Mm-hmm. I think for the rest of us, administration has never been a place I want to, to be. And, and I'm grateful for amazing administrators. So it's just not something I, I would be good at or am called to. Plug for the boss. That's right. Gotcha. They, it's good stuff. <laughs> and I've had some amazing ones. Um, but I think for teachers, for me, I think for me, It's the continuous learning because teaching is a craft. Mm -hmm. I think that's often misunderstood. It is almost an art form to take 20, 25 different students from different backgrounds um, and and different learning styles, different personalities, and be able to get them engaged with a lesson. Mm -hmm. And so part of the moving up or moving forward in my career is continuously getting better at that. And sometimes that might look on the outside, like for me, getting to to teach AP, Mm -hmm. um, AP language, AP literature, and working hard to get to that spot. But also, I I love the general classes as well. It's, It's so... Unfortunately, in education, the upper-level classes have kind of become maybe that goal Mm. if you're staying in education, Mm. um, getting to teach the honors classes or getting to teach the upper-level classes. I'm not sure that's the right way to look at it, Mm -hmm. but that is often the way that we look at it. That's interesting because I have an assessment. It's called the Career Wit Assessment, and, and there's a couple of different caveats to this idea of 
progression in a career being a positional move up, mm-hmm. right? Right. It can be increase. In other words, my position is moving up or it can be expansion. Right. The idea of doing more, being trusted to do more, being allowed to do more. Sounds like that's what you're saying. Yes. There. I think I think that that's exactly where it is because the, the more – and I've, I've moved around at schools and every school that I, I work with – there is that year to year and a half where you have to prove yourself again. Mm-hmm. You have to say, I do know what I'm doing. I do understand this process. I I know how to teach. And with that does become more autonomy in the classroom, yep. a little bit less um, having their eye on you, so to speak, being able to prove that that you are capable. Uh, can, um, I, can we hang out there for a second? Oh, yes. So um, – <laughs> There's no difference. Workplace is the workplace, right? I'm convinced that I've had enough conversations to know that. So I just want to hang out. You said, you know, when I find myself in a new workplace environment, a new workplace culture, I am reproving my... I just want to hang out there for a minute um, because in this country, over 3 million people quit their job every month. Right. So they're starting this new experience, at least three million of them monthly in this country. Speak to that a little bit. So like what's your wind up and your pitch there? I mean, how are you preparing for that? How are you mentally, emotionally dealing with someone who's experienced and yet having to prove yourself again? Wow. Um, That's a. That's that's a loaded question. Yes, it is. It's a good one. I think my experience in it has been different depending on the positions and the roles I'm jumping into. For example, I worked at a public middle school where I taught 7th and 8th grade, had great students, great school culture, really enjoyed it, but I needed a job that had a schedule that better fit the needs of my family. And so I left that school within four weeks of school starting. That was really hard because wow. that was, I'm not the person that leaves my students, but because of the politics and the dynamics of opening classes um, for enrollment in our high schools and in our schools and in our county, it can't actually, if they need another teacher, they need another class, That they can't project those numbers. The educational system has to have the numbers and the bodies there. So it's unpredictable and so, Right. So yeah. a lot of times positions don't open up until September or October. And so that was that was where I found myself is jumping ship and and sailing to another school um, in September. And for the schedule, for the predictability. For, for the schedule for my family. Yes. I needed to be able to pick up my son. Got it. Um, and so I went to a high school, and it I'm not going to lie, it was a brand new high school. It was a wonderful opportunity to work for an incredible staff. And going back to the original question, I think sometimes that is progression in, in our culture as educators is getting to work for amazing um, administrators. Just who you work for. Right. Yeah. A lot of times that yeah. that is a, an honor and a privilege or being able to start a new school or those kinds of things. And so... Um, I walked into this environment where the position come down to myself and another teacher. And the other teacher, all the other English department members knew and were rooting for that other teacher. They didn't know me. I was some middle school teacher coming from, you know, 45 minutes away, and I took the job of the person they wanted. So that was a little unnerving. 
Um, and it took, I think the bottom line was building relationships with my colleagues, building relationships with them, and then having them also see what I was doing as a teacher. Like, I had to, you know, talk about my lessons, talk about what I was doing, you know, um, make sure that they knew that it wasn't a game for me. So how did you do that, how right? And and, that? and I want to strip away that we're even talking about right. your particular workplace. Because right. the behaviors are the behaviors. So you come into this new place. It's the results. Yeah. It's the interaction that they could later see between myself and students in the hallway. Let's just nail that right now. Listeners, it doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter... I mean, you can be great at relationships. You can you can do all of those things, but at the end of the day, you are paid to work, right. and the quality of what you do says more about you, and opens or closes more doors than anything else. So, I mean, it's just I just want to hammer that point because it's the first thing that came from your gut. They saw my work, right. They, they saw the way students and I interacted yep. in the hallways. You know, we, we shared often as cohorts, like with other junior teachers or English 3 teachers, we would share lesson ideas. We would share – it was a lot of collaboration at that particular school. And so we shared a lot of our ideas, and therefore they got to see how I was implementing things in my classroom. It wasn't necessarily a fishbowl, but your classrooms really kind of are. Mm-hmm. Like the outside world gets – an easy view in to how things are running. And it's it's really, and as teachers, we know, we can tell very quickly um, how another teacher is by how the students talk about them. Mm, man, so it's, I'm smiling here because it's funny. It's no different. It's not. You're sitting there. I could have a banker sitting there. I could have a, a truck driver sitting there. I, it doesn't matter. I mean, you're hitting things that are crucial. One, I heard you say it's the quality of work you deliver, right? What you do is connected to this bigger wheel that's going on within that organization. And if your piece messes up, it messes up others. It's the quality of work. Second thing you said that I think is huge, it's collaboration. And so you're you're hearing Heather and you're going, yeah, but I'm not a teacher. I don't care. You can be a banker. You can be a line cook at McDonald's. It doesn't matter. How are you pulling away from the table and building relationships? I am most successful when I am working with colleagues to build good, build yeah. good lessons. Yeah, more gets done away from the table than at the table. Mm-hmm. And your ability to cultivate relationships outside of the nine to five tactical roles you do is crucial. Because what you're actually building there is trust. You're actually oh, building absolutely. relationships and confidence in you and in others. Right. And then the third thing I heard you say there, so you said quality of work, collaboration. collaboration. So those are all great things, collaboration, building relationship, and credibility in the work you do. So I want to shift. So we've been talking about kind of basic workplace behaviors, and I know we're coming up on the end of the day, but I can't have a teacher here. And right now you're teaching 11th and 12th graders. Right. So you're teaching folks that are on the precipice, right, on the edge of... Real life. Real life. 
So I'm, I'm going to throw three questions at you, okay. and we'll take them one by one. The first question is, what are we as our school systems underpreparing them for? Secondly, from your observations as an educator, what are we as parents not preparing them for? And then thirdly, what are you most excited about what you're seeing out of this future generation? Coming? Okay. So let's start with the schools. The school systems themselves. I think um, we are seeing an under-preparation for the trades. I feel like we have this huge push and, and legitimate push to have students seek higher education. Um, we all know that high school, no longer will that high school diploma give you a degree 99.9% of the time that will allow you to support a family yep. or have a life outside of the lower class. And so I feel like college is a good thing, but we're severely lacking in giving our students opportunities to explore things in the trades. And that's something that kind of has, has been stripped away from the educational system. Um, and teachers, if you talk to teachers, they're telling everybody this. Yeah. And yet it hits the ceiling and, and falls flat. So I've been toying with a book along the lines of this concept. So and here's my theory on what you're saying. One of the challenges with our current education system, our current mode of education, is we have stripped apprenticeship from it. We absolutely have. And we expect everybody to be the same. Yes. Yes. And That's right. if you think about yesteryears gone by, almost all of education and training came through some form of apprenticeship right. as well. And I, I, I think you're right. We underplay the value and the importance of trade schools for some and or specific skills that we train toward. I mean, there is a plethora of jobs out there today that we can't fill because of a skill gap. Right. There is a skill gap. And yeah. that skill gap is increasing. And and we make those students feel less than if they don't go to college. That's exactly right. But the thing is, is if I have a student go to a trade school and they go all the way through in their particular trade, they're going to come out making double. Yep. That's exactly Double right. what I make. Yeah. And adding value to our culture. And so I think we're missing the mark there. And then basic skills of financial planning. Because unfortunately, it's twofold. We're finding ourselves as teachers a lot of times taking the, the brunt of, you know, not giving our students everyday applicable skills. Like when I was in high school, you could take home ec and, and you could take finance and you could take typing and, and things like that that Honestly, we look back and go, yeah, the, I, I learned some things. My husband knows how to sew buttons yeah. because he had a home ec class. And so um, we, we are not teaching a lot of like those types of things. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure that they're supposed to be taught in high school. Yeah, I think that's a, home training. That's, I think that's a what lot of those things <laughs> are supposed to be taught at home. Yeah. And they're not being taught at home. A lot of times parents are not preparing their children for the real world. And it's, it's not always the parent's fault. A lot of times it's culture and the expectations of culture. I don't want to lay the blame at, at, at parents' feet. But sure. I think that oftentimes we have teachers who are trying to fill in the gaps mm -hmm. where the parents aren't quite 
getting there. Or we have parents that are handicapping their children because they do everything for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Even, even down to filling out their college applications. Never in a million years would I have asked my parents to fill out my college application. That was something that I was expected to do. Now, would they have sat with me and made sure that I walked through the process correctly? Absolutely. But nowadays, it's the parents that go online and fill all of that out. Yeah. And so I think that parents have to start expecting that their children can do more, which I think is one of the things that we are missing about our teenagers today yeah. that's there, that excites me, is the fact that they're amazing. I think you, you've hit two big gaps, just great insight. One with the schools, we have to bring the, the spirit of apprenticeship back to what we consider education. There's more out there than college. That's exactly right. And then, and then on the point of the parents, I, I, you are spot on. I'm thinking of a, a statistic that I have read where less than 15% of students said they ever got any career advice from parents. Right. Like none. And um, and I, that's just a part of life and some of the right. life skills. So let's let's end on a positive here. We got about a minute, but what in makes you the most excited about what you're seeing out of the current 11 and 12th graders who will rule our world in 20 years? Right. I think the future is bright. Yeah. We hear so much negativity. Teenagers are amazing. They have an ability to read people. They have an ability to read situations. They can weed out the junk from the real. And they're smart. They are smart. They are creative. They want to embrace society and embrace the those that struggle. They have an understanding and a perspective, a global perspective that I think um, is, is new to our, our global culture, is being able to to look at the world as a whole and go, wow, we're diverse. This is amazing. And they get diversity so much better than the adults do. I walk through high schools and there is, there, there are no, I mean, I shouldn't say there are no, but the racial reconciliation is so much stronger than it is with the adults. The um, understanding of, um, learning disabilities, the understanding of handicaps, the understanding of of all of these different things that people struggle with. Students seem to be able to walk in each other's shoes better than we can as adults. Our neighborhood was the village. The globe is the village for for these folks. That's right. Well, great. Listen, thank you for coming in. This has been fun. It's Uh, been a privilege. I've been scheming on this one for a while. (laughs) And I really did want, I wanted teachers to, I wanted us to speak to their career as well. So thanks for being a part of this, Heather. Visit rickwitted.com for additional episodes and for booking information. Are your career decisions value-based or emotionally motivated? Visit www.careerwit.com to find out. You've been listening to On Your Way to Work.